Let's uh, begin our worship service with a, a word of prayer, and then the singer can start. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for the rain. We thank you for the sunshine too, Lord. Now bless us in this service. Bless Carvin as he speaks to us. Have us to have open hearts, Lord, to what he has to say. And open pocketbooks so we can meet our goal on our mission's commitments. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. was born in Bethlehem to live in people's hearts and his mission time all over the world. From Maine to California and everywhere in between there's people who love Jesus From Africa to Jamaica to Turkey across the sea Even if you go to Tokyo they need to believe When Jesus came to Bethlehem With love he came to save now there's people all over the big wide world who need God's word today. It's mission time all over the world to people near and far. It's mission time all over the world, no matter where you are. Jesus was born in This mission time all over the world and this mission time all over the world amen thank you now we ask you to join us this morning in singing look all around you if you'll stand if you're able please and let's join in this wonderful song. Look all around you, oh what do you see?
it on as I have loved you that you also should love one another. Let's sing that along with another song put together. children going on to Children's Church, and as you know, Carvin is going to be our speaker this morning. He doesn't need an introduction. Uh, he organizes mission trips, and uh, he's always glad to take some people along. Now, some of them are construction mission trips, some of them are educational, so I've been on some of his construction trips. I don't know if I'd qualify for the educational ones, but... <laughs> Because he, he's uh, training pastors on some of them. But anyway, he does send out an email, uh, a newsletter. And so be open to possibly going on one of those at least construction trips. And uh, we do have some prayer requests this morning. Uh, Larry Lawson, he's got pneumonia. Alamay Hathaway. Y'all know Ken McConnell is suffering from cancer. 
our faith promises that we're going to be taking up today, our missionaries here and abroad, and we know what it's like to be a church without a pastor. So uh, uh, remember all those churches that are still seeking a, a permanent leader. If you have any prayer requests, you can still contact Karen Oldham and her phone number's on your bulletin there to uh, turn in these prayer requests. Let's open up the word of prayer before Carvin takes over. Dear Heavenly Father, we do lift up these prayer requests to you. Lord, when you walk this earth, you heal many sick. You raised people from the dead. And we know that your power is not diminished. So we lift up these needs to you, Lord. Heal those that need your physical touch. Comfort those that need your emotional touch. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm supposed to read the scripture. This is from John 10, 9 through 15. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And, now, and how can they preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so that, of course, bears out our theme today of in missions, we send missionaries to reach the lost, the people in other cultures that have never heard of Jesus Christ. It is so good to be back in this pulpit. Had a fairly busy schedule the last two months, being able to get get back into churches that uh, have now a little more liberally opened up their doors because of COVID. But especially good today because of the emphasis on uh, missions. I have said it before from this pulpit and I will continue to say it. I do not know of any other church that gives more per capita to missions than Cypress Street. I have preached uh, over 70 missions conventions in 20 to 30 different churches. So I commend you on the uh, commitment, devotion that you give to missions each year. Even though we're scaled back a little bit in our activities, did not have a full-pledged uh, missions convention uh, Friday night through Sunday like we normally do. Our emphasis this morning is on missions, and I want to use our text from Romans, the 10th chapter. Uh, Carolyn asked that I try to focus on how the partnership between missions, missionaries, and churches is an effective way of uh, getting the gospel to uh, other peoples. And immediately my mind went to this text. So if there's any good comes out of this sermon this morning, you can give Carolyn and the Lord the credit. If it doesn't do any good, you can, you can blame me. But uh, I think the Lord will receive the honor, and I know you will respond in a positive way as you always have. Coca-Cola has a motto. Now, I think you see it in your, your outlines, and we'll probably have it up on the screen in a moment. We're having a little technical difficulties this morning. I always like to advance the slides when I do a missions convention, and uh, we'll, hopefully it goes smoothly this morning. But uh, they have a, a motto that uh, I understand used to be, it may still be in their corporate headquarters, 
It says, think globally, but act locally. And that is probably one reason that you can travel in any country in the world except for North Korea and Burma and buy a Coca-Cola product. Almost anywhere. In fact, every place I've traveled, I've been able to buy Coca-Cola. They have ingrained this philosophy in their employees to see the whole world as a potential customer to buy one of their products. And then these employees work in their local factories or offices to do whatever they need to do to see that the world is able to buy a Coke, a Coca-Cola product. We in the church need that same philosophy. To have a vision of the world. To see the 7.9 billion people in this world. But to work in the local congregation to do our part in reaching the world. An example of this can be seen in our text today in Romans the 10th chapter. Paul wrote this text some 10 years after he made his first missionary journey. He was in partners with the church at Antioch. That plan worked 2,000 years ago. I see it still working today. In fact, it is the major or the primary, the best plan I know of to raise funds for missions in the church. Notice, first of all, God's promise to the world in verse 13 of our text. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Notice the word everyone. It makes no difference what one's nationality may be because he says down in verse 12, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile when it comes to salvation. Now most of us here are from very different cultures, although we call ourselves mostly English, but I have more German and French than I do English. It makes no difference to God. It matters not what the color of our skin is, whether red, yellow, black, or white, or a mixture of all the above. It makes no difference how rich or poor, whether we're a Bill Gates or living out on the streets of some big city. It matters not if we're educated, have a PhD, or as my French grandfather used to say, I went all the way through school. I went in the front door and out the back door. I think he might have had a sixth grade education, but was a successful businessman. Everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, Paul says, will be saved. What a beautiful promise. I think every one of us here would embrace that philosophy. But I see a problem that faces the world in verses 14 and 15. Let me read those words to you again. How can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? Paul is basically saying that people cannot call on the Lord and be saved until they first of all believe in the Lord. Because previously he said in verse 9, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So we must believe that God exists and that he sent his son to this earth to die for our sins for everyone, for God so loved the world, includes everyone, and he raised him from the dead. So we must believe that, Paul says. But people cannot believe in the Lord until they hear about him because in verse 17 he says, faith comes by hearing the message. In other words, when we first hear the message of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit plants the seed of faith in our hearts and it begins to grow as we hear more and more about Jesus Christ. But people cannot hear the message, Paul says, until someone tells them and people cannot tell them unless they are sent. Because he says, how can they preach unless they are sent? I see this as being the most urgent problem in our world today. More urgent than anything else. More important than even COVID-19. 
And that is people cannot get saved until we are willing to take the gospel to them. Do you realize that only 12% of our world population are committed Christians? Now, if you Google information, it'll say 33% are Christian. That is by profession only, but only 12% are practicing Christian. Do you realize that 25 to 40% have never heard the gospel in their language and they won't accept Jesus Christ until they hear it in their mother tongue and accept the fact that the God that we send to them or take to them can also be their God. And that same percentage, about 25 to 40%, do not have any access to Christianity. Oswald J. Smith, who used to pastor the People's Church in Toronto, Canada, uh, he's long gone to his reward. He used to say, and his church used to give one half of their total budget to missions. He said, no one has the right to hear the gospel twice until everyone has heard it once. Think about that. Any time of day, we can turn on our computer or radio or television and hear some fashion of the gospel being preached. Do you realize in the United States, we have one full-time worker for every 230 people? When we finally get a pastor, we'll have a full-time worker for about 150 people. But you go to a country or to a people that have yet to hear the gospel one time, and there'll be one full-time Christian worker for every 450,000 people, almost a uh, half a million. Do you realize that 90% of all the full-time Christian workers in the world are ministering to only 10% of the world's population, which happen to be the English-speaking peoples? Whereas only 10% of us go to those who speak a language other than English. See, God's promise is, call on the name of the Lord, regardless of who you are, and you'll be saved. But the problem, the problem facing the world is they cannot get saved unless we take the message of Jesus Christ to them. I happen to believe, and you will probably call me old-fashioned, I've been called that before, I happen to believe that for every problem you and I have in this world, God has a solution. I believe that. And I see the solution, the plan in our text this morning, and I see it in verse 15. It's two-part. That's really the basis of this sermon this morning. The first part. Some must be committed to go. Paul writes, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I admit for many, many, many years, I'd say for about 60 years, I did not understand that passage. I did not fully appreciate it because I looked at my feet and I said, they are not beautiful to behold. <laughs> I have been in many services where we washed the saints' feet. I have yet to see any that were beautiful to me. Then one day I was reminded of the Holy Spirit, of a familiar story of a sinful woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears. I can only imagine as she knelt down and her cold black hair falling down around his feet and her weeping because evidently she had previously accepted the Lord or else was at that moment repenting of her sins. Her tears were wetting at Jesus' feet. She began to wash them. Then she began to dry them with her hair. She kissed his feet and then poured expensive perfume on them. What a very touching scene. I don't doubt Sandy's love for me. But in 52 years of marriage, she has yet to wash my feet. In my wildest dreams, she has never, never kissed him. But to this woman in the Bible, known for her many sins, Jesus' feet were the most beautiful things she'd ever seen. Why? They brought her the message of forgiveness, of acceptance. 
She knew that her past was not only forgiven, but was forgotten. He accepted her. He changed her life. And now she wanted to show her adoration and thanksgiving for it. You see, some must go. We usually call them missionaries. But just equally important, others must be committed to send them. For Paul says, how can they preach unless they are sent? See, in this partnership, everyone can be involved in reaching the world for Jesus Christ, either as a goer or as a sender. I said earlier that, that Paul wrote this letter to the Romans 10 years after he was sent by the Antioch church on his first missionary journey. In fact, Scripture says this in Acts 13th chapter. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This was Paul's first missionary journey. He made at least two more that we know of. And after each trip, he went back to Antioch and shared with them what all had happened because they were his sending partners and their combined efforts made possible for him to plant churches. You see, God's plan worked 2,000 years ago and it is still working today. Imagine if a local church did not send out missionaries. Its message, its, its ministry would be limited to just its Jerusalem. Never going into Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. In fact, at least 50% of all the churches in America do not have any program of outreach whatsoever and give only 2% to foreign missions. Imagine a missionary feeling called of God and, and wanting to go and minister to the people that God has placed on his heart, but not having a partner to finance that ministry. When we started Partners in Missions in January of 97, we had $600 in the mission account. That wasn't enough to even buy a plane ticket back to Ecuador. And we'd already promised the church in Ecuador when we left there in May of 98 or 96, we'll come back next year and start construction on the Santa Clara Church, a church that we'd helped plant while we were serving there as missionaries. Nine months later, in 97, we returned to Ecuador with 21 people total and started that construction, all because of the partnership we had established with several, several churches. So this partnership that exists between the goer, the missionary, and the sender of the churches is the most effective way of the local church fulfilling Jesus' last words. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, missionaries are your, an extension of your ministry in those various countries, wherever they may live and serve, not just in the neighborhood, but to the ends of the earth. And because of the partnership you've had with us, Partners in Missions, I want to, in closing, for the next 10 minutes or so, show you some slides. And this part I was going to try to advance my, by myself, but we had some technical difficulties, so... Nick is back there, and I may be shooting him a laser that he can tell when I want to advance. If that doesn't work, I would just say next. But because of your partnership, we've had the privilege of working in six different countries, Ecuador, Peru, Brazil, Panama, and Guatemala, and also in the United States. So let me go through this and uh, share with you what this partnership with you has been able to accomplish. Uh, we have traveled on... Uh, 76 mission trips uh, thus far. I'll be leaving uh, three weeks, I think it is, from tomorrow to go back to Guatemala. First time I've been there now uh, about 15 months because of COVID. We'll have another seminary and I'll be visiting some congregations. We have trained uh, 1,150 
church leaders that I know of from 10 different countries. We have worked on, as far as construction, on 18 churches, two pastor houses, one Christian daycare center, one Christian school, five widow houses, one seminary building, one orphanage, and one radio station. We have spoken 79 mission conventions that I'm aware of, and as of December of last year, we have raised $2.2 million for missions with the help of churches like this. We did not do that on, their, on our own. So let me start some individual uh, slides of our work. The Santa Clara Church. This is a church we went back and built. Uh, Dale, I know you went back with us. Several others have gone with us. Uh, a church we helped plant. It became the largest of our congregations in Peru um, or in Ecuador. In their main service, they will run uh, 200 people. I was able to go back uh, and preach there oh, several different times. I think I've counted 80-some uh, people saved there since I've been going back. In one service, these 13 were, were saved uh, on a Tuesday night. I thought everybody there was probably a Christian, so I asked, is everyone here Christian? And several raised their hand that they weren't. I gave an altar call, and these 13 were saved in one service. I went back for the 20th anniversary of the Church of God there. We baptized eight. We also had uh, seminary during that, uh, that time, took by Gil, Gilbert Davila, who was the Spanish speaker for all Latin America. He just passed away this last uh, month in April. He was one of our main teachers. We Excellent, excellent teacher. It was a... a a loss really to lose him. We have two congregations among the Kayambi Indians. They are descendants of the Inca uh, Empire. They still have their services in Quechua, which was the language of the uh, Incas. We worked 12 years with the Kuna Indians of Panama. I know the brother and sister Mitchell. I think both of your parents went there, didn't they? Both their parents went to uh, Panama. I visited the uh, Kunas. We worked on three different islands there. Did construction on uh, three of their buildings, church buildings. Leadership development was our main ministry there. What was thrilling there was uh, when we had our leadership development, we had, it, on each island there was the Church of God and also a Baptist congregation, also Assembly of God congregation. We invited all three denominations there. We'd have about 45 in each class. And the ages were about 15 to 30. So exciting to see these young teenagers wanting to learn more about how to be a leader in the church. And you just see some of the films or slides there. Uh, we were able to partner with the local Church of God in Japan, Peru, to start a uh, Christian school there kindergarten, three-year kindergarten through the sixth grade. We have three times the number of computers per student as the public schools of Peru, a very high-tech uh, school. They have flat screen, DVD players, interactive projectors, and security cameras in every classroom. They run anywhere from 180 to 200 kids in this private school, which is a ministry of the local congregation. It has brought uh, new people into the congregation. This is located in a city of about 50,000. You can ask anybody in this church, where is the DS Warner School? And they will be able to tell you the address. I can't tell you the address, I can get there, but I don't know the address, but the people in that city do. They put on promotional uh, fiestas or local dance in the town plaza during the, uh, their 4th of July, what they call Independence Day. They're a big part of that in the parade. This is the building that uh, we helped them finish in 2008, a four-story building. We're in the process of trying to buy the lot right beside the white building. That's an old Dolby house that will be torn down, be a vacant lot for the church and the uh, school. In 2012, we started leadership training there after we finished the construction of the church or the school and the pastor's house. Uh, we do right now seminary in two locations. We do it in Japan, 
And the church in Lima heard about our seminaries and they asked us to start training in Lima, which is the capital city. So we take uh, two to three teachers to Japan, usually two in the local pastor. Then we fly them about midnight. We'll fly them and myself. We'll fly from there to Lima, which is our flight. We'll get about four hours sleep that night, start seminary the next morning about eight o'clock. They have two days of seminary there. This is a very difficult trip. It takes me 33 hours from the time I leave Monroe to get to the school. So it's a very, very difficult trip. But they have a tremendous uh, ministry. In Guatemala, which is one of our major uh, projects now, uh, I had the great opportunity uh, of meeting Doña Concepcion Ramirez. She was chosen at the age of 17 to be on the 25-cent piece of, of Guatemala. Uh, her family has been early Church of God workers since the 1970s. She and her son were speakers in our seminary in 2017. And to show uh, our appreciation for their family's work, I painted her house in uh, that year, September of 2017. She lived in a one-room house. Most best-known woman in all of Guatemala for her uh, work with peace and also being on the quarter. Uh, but uh, a very, very humble person. She lost both her father and her husband during the Civil War, even though the Church of God did not take uh, sides in that uh, war. Uh, next slide. These are just some of the women, Mayan women, that we have worked with. This was a Bible school that uh, we had done. We started out with 30 children, if I remember correctly. Before the week was over, I think we had uh, approximately 100 kids in Bible school. And these are some of the women in the church who had uh, brought uh, flowers to the uh, Bible school. Uh, flowers that grow in their, their yards. The second one from, uh, I guess it would be your left. We had built her a, a widow house. She had lost her husband, and she was left with two children. So the previous year, we had bought her a, a house, or built her a, a, a house. But I just, such beautiful flowers. Uh, being in a tropical country like Guatemala, you can easily uh, raise flowers like that. Next slide. Uh, you probably have heard me talk about uh, Josie or Jocelyn uh, during the uh, volcano that erupted uh, 2018. Her family was living at the base of the volcano. and As it was erupting, her mom was holding her. She ran outside and knew she could not run the uh, volcano. So she handed her little baby, three months old at the time, to a man racing by on a motorcycle. He took the baby to some authorities. They placed the baby in an orphanage that we work with. Uh, Partners and Missions took care of the baby's financial uh, care for several months until the baby was uh, reunited by the father through DNA. And then we built them a, uh, a house, we call it a Willis house, and uh, bought them new furniture with the help of a church in uh, Colorado. So it was a, a neat experience. I just wonder what God has in store for this little baby. He brought together the man racing by on the motorcycle, the people who did the DNA, uh, House of Hope Orstage, Partners in Missions, and the church in Co uh, Colorado brought all of us together to save this little baby. And now she'll be able to uh, have a, a full life. I just uh, hope we can stay in contact with her. Next slide. Our leadership in Guatemala has really bloomed. We had our first seminary in 2015. We have trained now over 170 in Guatemala. We're expecting 40 to 50 the last week of this May or this month for our next seminary. Next slide. As I said earlier, everyone can become a partner in missions. How? Well, some must go. Some must be able to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to other people. For as Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. 
Some must give. They must partner with those missionaries. For he says, how can they preach unless they are sent? And Jesus said, pray. From Matthew 9, 37, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Most of you, possibly all of you, have been involved in Faith Promise before, and I've put a little definition in your outline. Faith Promise is entering into a personal covenant with God, expressing your intention to give a specific amount to the support of missions over and above the tithe, even if you think it's beyond your ability to accomplish. You see, this comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through, I believe it's 4. And then when you get to 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote a backup letter reminding them, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. Two whole chapters are given in the Scripture about faith promise. You don't find near that much about even tithing. More is written about giving to missions than about tithing. But it's about that faith. Our part is the covenant, trusting God enough to do what He asks us to do. And God's part, honoring our faith by providing the funds so we can fulfill our faith promise. Paul says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But as I've tried to emphasize, they cannot. They cannot unless we intentionally take the message of salvation to them. Some must go but everyone else must send them. As John was on the Isle of Patmos, he had this great revelation that we have in the last book of our, our Bible, the book of Revelation. And in the seventh chapter, he says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people in language, Standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. Did you notice what he saw? People from every nation, tribe, people, and language. I believe one of the greatest joys that we will have when we get to heaven, after we've seen Jesus, after we've been reintroduced to our families, is to see those that we have in some way, and may have never known it, helped get to heaven. It may be through a faith promise. It may be through our prayers. It may be through some style of witnessing indirectly that we didn't think much about it. But just knowing I was instrumental and helping redeem that person from Satan and introducing them to Jesus Christ. You see, missions is not what you do for your missionaries, even though we appreciate it very much. Missions is what you do through your missionary. Through your missionaries. Will you be a sender? And I know you will. You've done it for years. Will you help send others so they can go? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and be in an attitude of prayer. You may have a need this morning to pray about, possibly privately, or possibly you'd like me to pray with you. And as we stand to sing a few verses of an invitation, I would like you to know even though this is a sermon focused on missions, if you have any need whatsoever, be it spiritual or physical, or to pray about your faith promise this morning, feel free to come. If you'd like for me to pray with you, you can just let me know. I'll be up here at the front pew. So let us stand together as we sing this morning.
Carbon said that if y'all have any questions, you can ask them here while they're getting tattooed. I want to explain one thing. As I stood at the back, I saw that when I did this, I could read it fine, but y'all probably can't read it. Each line represents a thousand. There's five, 10, 15, 20, 25,000 with a goal of 20,700. So for, if you've been wondering what that says, that's what it is. And hopefully we're gonna blow the top off this thing as we get our tallies in. Anyone have any questions? thermometers not even begin to show any rise at all. We need to warm it up. I'm cold. I want to button my jacket up. Let's get the thermometer growing. Let's all stand. Uh, Carvin, could I get you to come up and say a closing prayer for us? He did a good job this morning. 
our loving Father. We're so thankful that you sent your Son to die for everyone. Thankful for those who shared the gospel with us, some in an indirect way, but regardless of how they did it, they touched our lives. Thank you for giving us the invitation to partner with you in reaching the world for your son, Jesus. And we are thankful for each one this morning who made a commitment to do their part. And now we just wait on you to supply the means to honor our faith. We thank this congregation and the many others who have a vision to reach the world and to work locally to do their part. May your blessings be upon us as we continue to follow you and to see how we can make disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the world. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.